Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Neil Sofian. He's recognized nationally for almost 40 years of innovation in population-based and corporate and payer health management and engagement. Neil is the CEO of Tuzag. And uh, what they are is a conversational AI omni-channel health concierge company. Their platform delivers one-to-one ongoing computer-mediated conversations, content and service offerings across any communication channel, driving exponentially greater consumer behavior change. Neil commercialized the first and largest telephonic smoke cessation coaching program in the United States, free and clear. And many of the early health-related social networking platforms, including the American Cancer Society's Cancer Survivors Network, Neil holds a master's degree in public health from the University of Missouri School of Medicine. And Neil is also a working potter and sculptor and has done stand-up comedy in a vaudeville show. My goodness, Neil. I mean, you are just uh, cool and interesting and making a difference in healthcare. I'm glad you're here with us. My pleasure to be here. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to park on the sculpting thing. So, yeah. so like, what do you sculpt? Uh, I do sculptures of anything. For, I, I'm really hot on big, big whale sculptures right now. The mm-hmm. other is uh, I've, I've got a little archaeological sculpture set up. I'm going that says there are people from if you look at God concepts from around the world. Um, it's like, what might they look like if they were all if there was one underlying thing called a guy named Jaime, who was actually the great God of them all. So it's kind of a, it's meant as a humorous uh, series of, <laughs> of sculptures that, uh, that mainly occupy, occupy different parts of our house right now, but uh, much to my wife's chagrin. Ah, that's so funny. So are you like, how do you actually do it? Like, do you just chisel it or? How, oh, no, this is all, this is all ceramic sculpture. So okay. um, I work in, in, uh, at a place called Pottery Northwest. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, until last year, I was the president of the board of Pottery Northwest. We are a community uh, ceramic studio and educational center. We're probably the largest ceramic educational facility on the West Coast. Wow. Uh, we've been here for 54 years, I think, 55 years at this point. Wow. Um, and uh, I've been working there for the last 38. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I find that the some of the coolest leaders in healthcare and, you know, the, the most in, are also the most interesting ones. And, you know, like your, your personal life, you got some really neat stuff going on. But, you know, in the healthcare space, you have some fascinating work where you're really helping improve outcomes. You're leveraging technology, conversational AI, et cetera, to do that. So I'm excited to dive into, you know, Tuzag, your company. But before we do, talk to us a little bit about what has driven your why the last 40 years in in healthcare. Uh, Fundamentally, the problem I see in healthcare, besides the fact that we we have bizarrely strange incentives in the United States, Rube Goldberg could not have invented the U.S. healthcare system. It's such a mess. But we tend to look at healthcare as really medical care. And even worse, we tend to think of people as nothing but molecules and diseases and risks 
You know, and I'd say we shouldn't be thinking about people as molecules, but rather their motivations. We are people. And if you're people, we're way more complicated than a disease. You're somebody with diabetes. You're not a diabetic. And, and if that's the case, if we expect to change, cause people to change their behavior, probably be best if we treated them as people and understood how complex we are as humans. And, and, and so my goal is to say, how do you do that? And then use technology to lever the, leverage the reach so that you can actually talk to millions of people to do that. Because ultimately, it's, it's, it's great to be effective helping one person at a time, which we have to do. But bottom line is there's 350 million people in the United States, and we have to find really cost-effective ways to have that kind of personal, intimate relationship in a way that can actually help people make the changes they need to make. Yeah, I think that's a really great call out, Neil. And, and so that's where Tuzak comes in. So talk to us a little bit about the company and, and you know what you guys are doing there to improve on and help the healthcare ecosystem. Cool. So I've spent years building health interventions. Uh, whether it was free and clear, which you mentioned in the intro, uh, which is um, was once upon a time the idea of actually doing phone coaching, mm-hmm. which now seems extraordinarily old hat. But in 1986, it required a randomized clinical trial to actually prove that it worked. And we did that working with Group Health Cooperative here in Seattle and the University of North Carolina. Well, all of a sudden, we didn't have to have you in a room to do phone uh, to do smoking cessation and talk to 10 people. All of a sudden, I could have a staff and could talk to thousands of people via the phone. Well, that was a big breakthrough in 86, but that's now how do you, how can you use that same or that same thinking, but new technology to reach not thousands, but tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions. And so we started looking over time at whether that was looking at social platforms, uh, whether that was tailoring content so that it actually every single person got their own unique message or even push messaging. And in the course of doing that, we started looking at what was consistent that in all these cases, whether it was building a social platform or tailoring, it was how could I make content relevant just to you? How could I create a context that would say for Saul, there's something different and needs to talk to Saul differently than if I'm talking to Mary or if I'm talking to uh, Belinda? That's going to be all very, very different because not only is, are my, my diseases different, but my circumstances are different. My interests are different. My values are different. And so whatever I do, whatever technology I'm using, I need to be able to scope out and find out not only how do I be relevant with you, but how do I be resonant with you? Mm-hmm. And that means I have to ask a lot of different questions. Uh, like, Saul, so you're in Chicago. I yep. probably say, you know, so if you're in greater Chicago land, you know, I need to find out, do you have kids? Uh, are you in a relationship? What do you value as career versus family versus uh, spirituality? Most important to you. Are you a Bears fan? Um, you know, if you, you know, unfortunately, for, well, hey, they're five and <laughs> they're, they're five and one. It's the first year you could be proud of the Bears in a long <laughs> time. Um you know, but all those things are the little things that say, this is who Saul is. And oh, by the way, Saul also has, and this, I'm making this up clearly, Saul has sure. diabetes. Right. But that means I could talk to somebody else with the exact same disease, but how I talk to them is going to be totally different, uh, both in terms of what medium do I choose? How do I talk to them? What's important to them? The metaphors I use to get them to make a change, mm-hmm. all are totally different. And that's what Tuzag is about, is how can we build contextually relevant conversations that are unique to each individual and cross any any medium of communication. So whether it's your st- smart speaker uh, through the computer like we're doing today, uh, for that matter, or if you'd like something that's tailored print because you want something in 14 print, you know, 14 type print, 
and it gets mailed to you, which some seniors might want, or mm -hmm. for that matter, I think in the near future through your television. How can we communicate in, and not just that, but have them cross from medium to medium to medium. So a conversation might start in one and move to another, and then ultimately may tie to a live person. Um, and that that live person knows all the things that were happening in that computer mediated conversation. And in turn, what you say is the live person gets reflected back. So the computer mediated conversation knows what you did with the live person. And oh, by the way, make sure your family knows what's going on in that process too. That's, it's, a, it's complex. But then again, aren't people? Right. Why shouldn't why shouldn't we why shouldn't we understand um, the complexity of human behavior? And we understand. I mean, we we understand the complexity of the human genome. We understand right. the complexity of dealing with cancer in terms of having to come up with unique medical procedures to do things. Why would we think human behavior is any less? In fact, I would tell you most people understand. It's way more complex. So they would actually say, "Hey, it's easier just to change your genome than it is to try and actually get you to take a walk or." change your behavior. So let's just, let's just do the medical thing. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, well, one, because it's $3.6 trillion of the economy, half of it tied to our behavior. Maybe we ought to look, look at the behavior side, not just the, the, the surgical side or the genetic side or the, or the pharmaceutical side and have actually more impact for far less money. Yeah. Neil, uh, some great, great ideas and insights you've just shared. And, you know, the one question that comes up is around this personal conversation, right? And yep. and so, I mean, just at first feel, you know, at, at first thought, I, I think it's it, it could be impactful. You know, you, you put it in the right context and have that relevant conversation so that it becomes something that people want to do. Yeah. And then it, it gets put into the context of what analogies they would understand. I mean, that seems to me like very effective how do you scale that though? You know, like that, that's the question, right? Because it's personalized, but we're talking about scaling it. Yeah. So you do that through a mixture of technology, methodology, and great content. And that mm -hmm. you have to think about content much more as a kind of a cubic version of Mad Libs so that, that every conversation you can structure it so that we, as I learn more about you, I can insert more pieces into that conversation that are pertinent to just you. Got it. Um, so that the word within the sentence might change, a sentence within a paragraph might change, the paragraph within a, a conversation might change, and what conversation I should even have might change, and that it grows and changes based upon the previous conversation, and that that conversation can happen through your thumbs, through chat, or through text, or through uh, voice, uh, you know, through a smart speaker, an Amazon or a Google device, or, you know, even through your web browser, or through print, if you really, and then back and forth through the mail. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Any of those can work, but it's all about thinking about this as a two-way conversation and that the technology now lets you do that. In fact, um, I would tell you that's the most exciting thing is that to do this 10 years ago, you would have said, well, the technology just won't support it. And the answer is that's no longer the issue. Right. The issue is our imagination. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to understand that what do you wish, what kind of conversations do you wish you could be having with an individual that could help move them along their personal journey? and their path. And now you should start with just that. Don't even think about the technology. The technology will follow, uh, whether it's the tailoring and inference engines we're building or other technology that will come along. We will get pushed. You know, We think we have pretty cool technology, but I would tell you technology is not the delimiter. It's not the important part. It's the ability to take all that technology that's out there and apply it to a very different way of thinking, which is understanding that 
people are really complicated. And if you can't tell their stories and have them feel like it, like even when I, even when I said to you, oh, the bears, and you said, yeah, unfortunately, but I got a remote, an emotional response out of you, which yeah. is, you know, and I could clue into that. On the other hand, if you're not a bears fan at all uh, or a sports fan at all, then I probably need a whole different way of talking to you. Totally. And if I, and if I can learn those things and I can, and I can put that all in a, in a cloud-based database, and then use it to have that ongoing conversation. The sky's the limit. It's where it goes. Yeah. yeah. It's very powerful. And so, you know, we we think about ways to tackle this. I'm imagining you're you're mostly working, if you're working with populations, right? Providers and, and payers. As their concern, what would you say is, is the thing that makes you guys different than what's available today? Uh, most of the world is still focused either. Well, like I said, they're fo- focused on molecules or... They're focused on telling you what to do. And it's, it's like if, and, and I can tell you, and seeing how we're doing this Zoom and video, I, you know, when you do this to people, when you point your finger at them, the, the, your index finger, they, they provide a finger back, but it's usually their middle finger. <laughs> you know, that's like, you know, it's, it's the finger for finger approach. And we say, well, it's consumer centric because we're telling you what you need to do. It's about you because we know, we know Saul has diabetes. So we're going to talk to him about his diabetes and therefore it's personalized. Well, that's what we think you should talk about. You know, that's not consumer centric. Amazon finds out what books you like and then says, well, based upon what you like and what we know other people like you like, here's some things that you might find interesting in terms of buying these books. And you end up buying books you've never even heard of. That's way different than saying you should care about your diabetes. So we're going to teach you about it. If I actually took the time to get to know you and I knew your life circumstance, and I knew that, for example, that yes, you do have diabetes, and I can get that from a medical claims record, but that you also have three kids, you're working two jobs, you're stressed out, and that you live in a food desert. Well, and I know all those things about you. Well, and that what you really need is respite care for your family, and you need a good night's sleep. And that's really what you'd like. You're having trouble sleeping. Well, I could either talk to you about diabetes, or I could help you with where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And by helping you where you are right now, perhaps helping you with your sleep issues, perhaps find helping you find respite care, which might be even available through an employer or not, or through government support, then I can build a relationship with you. And out of that relationship, I build trust and we'll slowly but surely get to saying, what are some of the underlying issues tied to that diabetes? But I do it through through having that ongoing relationship with you. That is almost unheard of in healthcare. Almost everything you see in healthcare today is either push, most of it SMS, you know, text messaging. Don't forget to take your pill. Take, you know, do this, do that, do this. It's it's push, 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 or it's a phone call, push, push, push. And they'll say they're doing something with motivational interviewing, but it's usually around, for example, with a payer, it's around what we perceive as the payer. You're costing us money this way, so we're going to help right. fix that problem for you, which is that's not consumer-centric. That's payer-centric right. or provider-centric. It's not, it's not. If Amazon used that kind of approach to its services, they wouldn't be slowly dominating the world. Totally. Yeah, no, that's a, it, it's a great call out, Neil. And, you know, it's hard to do. And I think what you're offering here is that it's not impossible. It's about your imagination and your philosophy. You know, the fundamental philosophy of what you guys are doing is the paradigm shift. Yep. Well, how would you summarize your philosophy? Um, a a couple of things, um, you start with the, the premise that it ain't dog food if the dog don't eat it, Mm -hmm. um, that it, you know, it, it doesn't matter how cool a product you have if people aren't using it. 
um, and that there is no such thing as a single best solution to anyone. So even let's say, let's if in many cases, I need to connect you to other services, just like there's no one best book. Mm-hmm. Amazon understands there's neither a billion books nor one book. There's the book that's right for you. And so I think we have to have that same thing by getting to know you. Um, it's almost like an e-harmony. I'm, I'm dating you. I'm getting to know you. I'm, sure. And of course, and the core part of that philosophy, if you want a second date with somebody, is probably you let them talk. Right. You ask them what they're interested in, uh, as opposed to just tell them how swell you are. Totally. Um, if you want, at least if you want a second date, and then apply kind of that kind of principle of dating and getting to know you tied to that Amazon kind of uh, uh, choice architecture of helping you connect to the right services, you put those together for health. And I think you have a guiding philosophy and then understand that it has to cross any channel as you do it. And that's how you get more dogs to eat. Because the goal is to get lots of people to do stuff, not just to say, I have the best single program, but I have the best single solution that can help you at this moment in time, which will be different than tomorrow's moment in time. Yeah. That's very interesting. And so maybe you have an example or two of how the platform's currently being used, Neil. We'd love to learn sure. more about that and how it's improving outcomes. Um, so a, a couple of places. Uh, one, we we're, we did some work with um, a health, health delivery system in the South. I guess I'm probably, I don't have permission to name names, so I won't. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's a really large one, and there's a, a winning football team in the same town. Uh, so there, you <laughs> might figure that out, but they don't have a baseball team in that town. Um, help you even more. Uh, <laughs> but they said, gee, we'd like to help people uh, new to our city use our healthcare system instead of the competitor. Well, the traditional way would be, so they buy up email lists, and they simply just start pushing out information, you know, ads for our, our delivery system. Mm-hmm. Instead, we said, let's take a different approach that said, you're new to town, and we set up uh, an Amazon voice skill. I don't want to say her name because she'll start making noises in the background. Right, right. Um, happens. I got and, one right behind me, too. Yeah. And so <laughs> we'd say, hi, you know, you, you'd, you'd dial into it, and you'd, you'd, you'd say, you know, you're new, to, you're new to town, and you'd get hit with an email saying, hey, here's a new service for you. Welcome to town. And then she would say, hey, welcome. How long have you been here? What part of town do you live in? What have you liked most about town? What 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 has surprised you about being here? And you know, and, and the answers become, oh, I, I live down in the south part of the city. I'm really surprised by the food here. Um, you know, oh, what kind of food do you like? Uh, hot chicken. Another hint to the where we're going. And you know, oh, that's great. Uh, what have you found problematic since you've been here? Oh, the traffic really sucks. Oh. Okay, can I help you with finding you some? Let me let me find you some great hot chicken places down in the south part of town. And and what do you need any help with schools? Yeah, I've got two kids. Oh, you do? Great. I now know you what your interests are. I know you have two kids. I know what part of town you're doing. All of a sudden, I can now say, Hey, have you picked a provider yet? But I've built a conversation where I've already sent you some recommendations for restaurants. Mm-hmm. I've helped you with your traffic problems. And this can be over more than one conversation. It doesn't have sure. to be all at once. And then I can say, oh, by the way, did you know that I have a great pediatrician available for you and they only are five blocks from you? Or, oh, if you need something more urgent, we have a relationship with Walgreens and there's a Walgreens really close to you and do you need an appointment? But I can set you up and, and schedule you for a doc today. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's building a relationship by first learning about them, asking finding out, can I help you with some recommendations, whether it's around food or other sorts of things? Or if you said, hey, what's your biggest problem? Oh, I'm having a problem with the allergies here. 
great. Now I can all of a sudden divert probably straight to a healthcare conversation because right yeah. you told me. But mm -hmm. you know, so something like that, or designing how do I onboard a health a health plan in, in in Wisconsin? We're looking at how do you do this from the moment somebody joins? How can I get to know you, and then based upon that, provide every single member their own personal care path. You know, the average payer today basically welcomes you and lets you know what your benefits are and says, hope we don't have to spend any money on you. Um, instead, we should engage you, not when you have a medical problem, <laughs> but from the moment we meet you, the time to build a relationship is when I'm not, I don't, I don't have to have the relationship yet. It's so that it really is mutual and I mm -hmm. get to know you and I learn your needs. And by doing that, I can really help you that way. Or another example, which in in your neighborhood, we are now applying with a, with a major university and cancer center in, in your area about how can we use the same sort of technology to help people post chemotherapy and, and a cancer diagnosis as they have to move, in, back, move back home and deal with their oral meds in terms of adherence. Yeah. And not just ask them, are you taking your pills, which you can do with a smart pill bottle and Bluetooth. You can do that without talking and mm -hmm. having a conversation. But how are you doing with it? How are you managing your care at home? Is it, are the drugs making you sick? Or if you're not taking them, how come? And what kind of support can we provide you that might help you do those sorts of things? And so once you start thinking about this as rather than a technology, but it's the same as what a, a coach or a companion or a concierge might do, it just is we're doing it more virtually mm -hmm. and that it's two-way and, and that we call our, our, our concierge Jamie. Jamie's nice and, nice and gender fluid. Um, yeah. You know, in that process, how can Jamie be a virtual member of your care team and be your companion, your support, your concierge, the person who directs you to the live support when you need it? And, and so at that point, you can say it applies to anything from adherence to health promotion to an employer being able to say, how do I connect my employees to the, the kind of well-being services that help them stay well and productive, healthy and productive? It can be applied to almost anything because half of healthcare is all about consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. And you know, can be used, for example, we're talking with a group on how to, um, how to use it post-hospital discharge. Those 30 days after you leave the hospital, how do we help get you back on your feet, doing the right things so that you don't end up back in the hospital unexpectedly? So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. So on the first example, Neil, are you saying, I was thinking about the touch point where the device, the smart device Smart voice device. Yeah, <laughs> without using the name. Um, <laughs> uh, Amazon, you know, Amazon or Google device. The, right, right. Amazon or Google device. Um, so, does the initial prompt just happen from the device, or no, like you, you get, right now? It has to, you, unless you've set it up. She can. Um, I'm saying she. Um, yeah. it, very interestingly, and as a slight aside, how quickly and the research will show how quickly people will attribute humanity to them if you make yeah. them act human. They, mm. It will actually deal with the issues of loneliness and and connection. So yeah, so people do tend to, to I do the same thing and provide a gender the thing. and yeah. and the gender could be male or female. You can you can do all sorts of things. You can add personality to them if you want. Uh, we're really thinking about those sorts of things. Um, yep. But you know that that it, she she will not just initiate automatically. So it starts with some sort of I'd like you to uh, you know in that this case the institution was sending out an email because they had those addresses uh, to say, hey, here's an opportunity. Would you like to sign up? Uh, you know, so, so it's not like she's going to be just spying on you and just knocking on, knocking on your virtual door without permission. All this has to be very carefully permission-based. Uh, and I would yeah. say, so, so now if you start saying, hey, I'd like to set an alarm so that she will, she will wake up and, and say something like, good morning, and then kind of encourage you to then say, hey, 
Amazon device. Let's let's have a conversation. You can do those sorts of things, but those are more the limitations of the devices at this point, mm-hmm. not the ability for us to set that up. I and guess that, I'm not. I, I guess I'm, and I, and I don't want to get hung up on this because it's not where the value prop is, but it, more of my curiosity. <laughs> yeah. How do you get um, started? Yeah. Like, how does that start? Right. Cause I, I get that I, that it could start, but how does it actually get started? Yeah. So it gets started in a lot of different ways. So if you're in an employer setting, there's a traditional health risk appraisal business that, you know, where employers say, Hey, complete this health risk appraisal once a year and we'll send you out some information. Mm-hmm. Well, we can start the same way where the employer is saying, Hey, let's, let's do this. A second way can be, you know, your doctor saying uh, in the case of, of what we're doing with cancer follow-up and, and, and adherence, the doctor says, I'm going to send you some equipment like a smart pill bottle. I'm going to send you an Amazon dot and some other things. I want you to, I want you to set it up and use it. So the doctor can initiate it. You can even initiate this with, uh, you know, in the, I think the day will come where you'll see in the drugstore, in the pharmacy, whether it's, you know, I know Walgreens is in Chicago land, um, uh, yep. but it could be CVS, it could be Rite Aid, it could be any of the, any of the players where there'll be a kit of here's this stuff. And then when you get home, you open it up. And there's your code for signing up and getting into the, into the, into the conversational part of it. Got it. And I would tell Got you it. in cases like that, you know, who's going to end up buying it is not going to be, and this is going to be great for helping seniors stay at home as, as you're managing chronic care or helping people age in place. It may not be the senior who's purchasing that. It may be their adult child who's right. trying to help take care of them at a distance who says, I think I'll buy this. And in fact, Rite Aid, I'd like you to have somebody deliver this to my mom and set it up. And that way we'll set it up. And, you know, a case of my mom was in St. Louis while she was still alive. And I was in St. Louis. And my God, my brother was in Jerusalem. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had to, how do we, how do we manage her from a distance? I think the day will come where that will be delivered. They'll either be home delivery for that sort of thing through any number of ph- pharmacy delivery companies or through your retailer uh, mm-hmm. or through your provider or payer. Um, so a lot of these can be set up in a lot of different ways. You're right that the, still the biggest single issue is saying, how do I, how do I literally make the first interchange happen? And I would tell you that that will still involve in much the same way as Amazon does. What's the biggest bribe Amazon offers? And the answer is prime, you know, free shipping. They find something you want. And then once they do that, once they give you free, they give you, you know, Amazon plus TV. They give you all kinds of stuff for a hundred. All bucks. sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. I love Amazon. And once they get you going, so that's how they get you going. They, they, there's a front end pitch. And after that, then they have to be relevant enough to you to that you'll want to keep using them because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, so yeah, the bribe works, but it won't work forever. Sure. It sure. only, so you move, have to move to intrinsic motivation quickly. And I would tell you the difference between an Amazon and us is that uh, besides the X number of hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue, (laughs) um, is that fundamentally, it's one thing to get you to buy a book. Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother thing to get you to go for a colonoscopy. Uh, Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, that I have to not just simply say, if you like this book, you'll like this book too. I actually have Mm -hmm. to be able to say, uh, if you like, you know, I need to understand that, that health is actually not an end in itself. I need to understand what you care about that, you know, you want to be able to bicycle. You want to be able to pick up your grandkids. You want to be able to go whatever it be, do, you know, uh, what, fulfill your dreams. I like to be able to travel, take your pick. I want to be able to get the next good job. I need to understand your motivation so that I can then create the metaphor that makes it resonant to you as well as relevant to your need. And that's yeah. more complex than selling you a book. 
healthcare is just more complicated. So we need to do more. Yeah. So we well said, Neil. Well said. And you know, I, I think, uh, and by the way, thanks for indulging my curiosity. Yeah, no, that's, that's, the, that's the exa- exactly the right questions. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, that, that word that you used is resonating. And, you know, I love that for me, you know, being in, in the podcast part of things, you know, communication, like what exactly is resonating to people? We care about that. And I think that if you're listening to this or watching it, you're probably thinking the same thing, right? What are we doing as an organization to not only reach out and engage with, but also resonate with people so that they behave in a way that that helps them? And I think it's a really personal touch, Neil, and, and I love it. Now, let's think about this, right? I feel like we, we learn more from those challenges than, than the win. So talk to us a little bit about something that's been challenging for you guys. One of your biggest setbacks, what was the key learning that came out of it that's made you guys even better at what you do? Um, I would tell you that the, the biggest challenge we face, and I faced it for a career, is, um, as they say, the pioneers are the guys with the arrows in their back. Um, Pioneers get spears. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, then, then come the the settlers and the farmers after that. Um, and and the problem we've had is by thinking about this, the paradigm shift of getting a non medical model, mm-hmm. understanding that this is social, is probably the biggest challenge we face. Is that there's huge contravailing powers in healthcare, and yes. they all have their own, um, you know, they all have their own way of making money whether it's more care for the provider, less care for the payer, though overall the payer doesn't mind there being more care because they're just taking, they're really just the middleman and they're taking a slice off the top to the pharmaceutical company who wants you to do more to the, you know, to the payer who actually is probably, to the employer who is probably the only one who's really saying, whoa, 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 I'm writing the check for all this. Amen. How can can we reduce the cost here? You know, uh, and, and they're, and they're only finally figuring out, but they're, so their goal is less. The provider is more, the payer is whatever, uh, the pharmaceutical company is, is more, more. The, the, the consultant is use me, not the other. They're all pushing back and forth against each other. And so the, the biggest challenge in all this is two things. One is navigating that complexity as, as a, as a sociological problem and a corporate problem. And then as you start pushing new things, which we're doing, which is this is a fairly radical, different view. This is a very consumerist view. And for all the talk in healthcare of being consumerist, they're really not. Right. They are both medical and institutional. And so the biggest setbacks we've had is we've often been too far ahead, whether it was when we, you know, using phone coaching was viewed as like, you can't do that. And oh my God, we wouldn't even certify diabetes nurse educators if they were on the phone rather than in person to when we built the Cancer Survivors Network, which was essentially a prequel to what would become Facebook. Because when we built, we essentially built a, a social network for cancer survivors, it was 1999. Heck, hmm. Mark Zuckerberg hadn't had a bar mitzvah yet. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so there was no Facebook for another six years after we built this. And getting the adoption of, uh, of that kind of really different kind of social approach to, and human approach to care is far and away the biggest challenge. Um, I think we are also discovering, though, because it is half the cost of healthcare, and that we have failed so dismally at treating this as a either a rational or a medical problem. And 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 as you face something like COVID, which we all face every day, and that you you literally are going to have to do things virtually. I think it's begun to be to turn turn the the screw on that, where we are beginning to truly say we have to do this 
in a totally different way. That, you know, we can't just talk about nursing home. You need to talk about nursing at home. Yeah. You, need to, you know, instead of care being something that happens in a doctor's office, we're understanding that care has to happen wherever you are and that there's still only so many minutes in a day, just like where you and I are having a Zoom, however minutes we use, we use. And that yeah. there's not enough minutes in the day to see all the people that need the kind of social support they need. And so that's what's beginning to drive technology. But I will tell you, it's been a slow slog. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and and um, I admire you for that. You know, it, it's a challenge. And, you know, you look at history. They say it repeats itself. You're doing it again. You had success in the past. <laughs> and uh, and I you've got my vote, man. I think you're well, on to you. something here. And, I, I think um, so. Yeah. And, you know, you highlighted the healthcare is fixed problem, you know, and layer in the COVID issue. We got to make some choices. And so let's make the right ones. You know, and, and I say that to all of us, you know, you and I, obviously, Neil, but everybody listening today, let's make the right choices. Let's do something that is impactful. Neil, you're you're doing such great things. What are you most excited about today? Um I'm excited about the fact that we are, and this will sound paradoxical, that it's such a mess right now mm-hmm. and that the bar is so low when it comes to how do you engage consumers. If you ever, yeah. if you're, you're probably too young to remember a guy named Dick Fosbury. Uh, but I am too young to enlighten me. He was a high jumper and he was the first oh, okay. guy. And he, he, he was the first guy. It used to be when you high jumped, you used to throw your first front leg over and then and it was called the Western roll. That's what oh, okay. I grew up with. I'm a little yeah. older than you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hell, I have a Medicare card. Um, and, uh, and, and Dick Fosbury was the first guy who said, you know what? If you run up to the bar on a high jump and then turn your back to it and jump head first and then kick your legs up as you go, and it was called the Fosbury flop. Um, you know, and he could jump higher than anyone else. And that's the only way people high jump now. Wow. Um, and, but let us say healthcare has not reached its Fosbury flop moment yet. Love it. Uh, it you know, that the, in terms of thinking of things we're talking about today, uh, the, the high bar is pretty much laying on the ground. So if you just don't drag your feet, you can do better. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and yet the excitement is that because of things like COVID, because mm-hmm. of the fact that employers are simply going, we can no longer afford this, this kind of unsustainable approach to healthcare. There's a, there's a move that says, I think we're un- we've got a, a moment where we're unfreezing from old paradigms. And that's, that's truly exciting, that we have to rethink the whole thing. And, and sadly, usually it takes a crisis for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And man, have we got a crisis. Um, and as, um, as, the, as Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago and, and yeah. White House said, you know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And he's, corre- and he's correct. Um, and, and we need to do that. And so, and I think that is happening. And, it's, and the cool part is not only can we make things better, we can do it for far less dollars yeah. if we do it correctly. And, and do it with much greater sense of personal satisfaction and warmth and joy. So it's, it's, there's, there's great opportunity here. And that's, that's tremendously exciting. Yeah. No, it really is, Neil. And uh, you've, you've got a really great way of, of uh, contextualizing things. And, you know, oftentimes people say that, you know, our, our businesses are kind of an extension of, of us. And uh, you, you've done a really great job today at kind of contextualizing the conversation. I wrote a little note, the Fosbury flop, right? I mean, these kinds of things, if we're able to do them at scale, 
imagine the possibilities. Uh, yeah. Imagine the possibilities of what it could mean for our community's health, what it could mean for, for the bottom line of the employer funding that health program. It's just the uh, incredible, incredible work. Yeah. yeah. Or taking care of your mom at home or, you know, I think this is yeah, yeah. the whole, the whole paradigm can switch. Absolutely. So this has been great. And obviously you guys are doing phenomenal work, folks. The address is we are twozag.com. Tuzag is T-U-Z-A-G. We are Tuzag.com. Just incredible work being done by Neil and team. Neil, leave us with the closing thought and the best place that listeners and viewers today could continue the conversation with you. Yeah. So great story. I heard I was speaking at a conference uh, about a year and a half or two years ago. Uh It was a pharmacy, uh, especially pharmacy conference. And a doc walked up to me afterwards. He said, and I was pitching the same sort of concept of of resonance and, and relevant. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, I have a patient and uh, this patient is a guy with diabetes, really terrible, really bad, you know, really on the edge of, you know, going blind and, and losing his feet and all that. And he completely will do nothing I tell him to do. But he always comes to his appointments every eight weeks completely on time hmm. and then absolutely does nothing I tell him to do. <laughs> and um, he said, so one day, you know, so we got to the point where we were just kind of shooting the shit because there was just no point in, in you know irritating him anymore because it wasn't going, you know, you don't want to be a nag. Right. And so I said to him, you know, Hey Joe, whatever his name was, what are you doing today? And he goes, well, after the exam today, I'm going to Cabela's. Why are you doing that? He goes, well, my tomorrow's my grandson's birthday Uh and I'm buying him a new fly fishing outfit so that we can go fly fishing together. Yeah. And he said, well, great. I hope you really enjoy it because uh, based on your foot exam and everything else today, it's probably the last time you're ever going to be able to get out there in cold water and do that with him. So have a really good time. He started taking insulin that day. Oh. Uh, because what the doc had found was what this guy really cared about. He didn't care about his health. Yeah. He cared tremendously about being able to do things with his grandson. And he actually oh, yeah. liked, liked fly fishing a lot. He found the why. Yep. He found the why for this guy and put it to him in a way that was that made sense. And then said, "And now I can. And here's a path on how to how to get to do reach your why. Wow. And and it works. I mean, we we all have those. We have. To, and now, can I be perfectly successful with what we're doing? Of course not. But can we do a lot better than we've been doing by you know pointing my finger and saying you're a diabetic, you're going to lose your feet. Um, you know, take your medications. You know, which yawn, yawn, yeah. yawn, or yeah. worse, anger, anger, anger. Um, we can do Resentment. this. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah. can do this. So I mean, so the story is it's it's it really is always about me. Whoever me is, it's always about yes. me and understanding what what makes my trip go. And uh, and so yeah, so to hang with us, I can go www.wearetozag.com. There's a place to contact me directly. There's also even a place you can uh, do some testing and, and and actually get some little demos of how this works. Oh, okay. On the site. So, or Very if you're cool. a wonk and want to go way into the how do the technology of this work. There's a, there's a tab in there for, for that interesting group of people who want to go, how do they actually do this? Get you know, techie right yeah, now. The techie, yeah, it's, and that, that will not lead you to me. Just, you know, I am not the techie <laughs> part of the, or the organization. Our founder, Dave Bolger, is that guy. Uh, and he's the, he's, he's the guy who's the brilliant guy who spent the last 30 years building this kind of tech with this deep understanding of people. So, yeah, but please, please come visit us. We are thrilled. 
to make the connection and, and share what we're doing. I love it, Neil. Well, I really appreciate your insights today. And, uh, and folks, certainly check out more info on our conversation, outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Tuzag, and you'll get the links to our chat today. Uh, I'll put a little link to the Fosbury flop. I'm sure I could find a good YouTube video on that. Uh, <laughs> and and overall, you know, just best ways to get in touch with Neil and his team. Neil, big thanks to you, man. This has been uh, a great conversation. And it's been delightful to talk to you, Saul. Hey, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage. Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.